Episode 182 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you in part once again by cloud accounting software FreshBooks with a 30-day free trial. Find out more at freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. You have to listen. You know, the landscape keeps changing and you're not going to be successful if you don't keep your ear to the ground. If you think you know everything, you don't know anything. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hi, and welcome once again to the podcast that is dedicated to your personal and professional growth, where leadership gets our focus, but we also dig in occasionally to topics like personal growth, productivity, career, business, marketing, sales, and entrepreneurship. It is all about leadership today, as in a moment, you and I will be joined by Dr. Hans Finzel. He's the author of The Top 10 Ways to Be a Great Leader. I'll be asking Dr. Fenzel to share about his thoughts on the importance of soft skills over hard skills, how to make yourself more approachable as a leader, the role of humility in leadership, and plenty more. Dr. Fenzel will join us momentarily, but first, if you'd like to show your support of the Read to Lead podcast, one way you can do that is by giving that 30-day free trial a try from our sponsor, Cloud Accounting Software, FreshBooks. No obligation for this trial. You get access to all of FreshBooks features during the trial. And all you need to do to sign up is go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead. I swear by it. It's the only cloud accounting software I've ever used, and it's the only one I'll ever recommend. I know the people at FreshBooks. I've had a chance to get to know them over the last couple of years, and I stand behind their product 100%. Again, freshbooks.com slash read to lead, and be sure to enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. That's freshbooks.com slash read to lead. Well, in addition to being an author, Dr. Hans Fenzel is a speaker and a trusted authority in the field of leadership, and he's the author of 10 books, including the international bestseller, The Top 10 Mistakes Leaders Make. If he had talked to me before writing that, he would have found there were a lot more than 10. Uh, With a doctorate in leadership studies from Fuller School of Intercultural Studies, he's a globally respected teacher. And after serving 20 years as president and CEO of World Venture, he now leads the nonprofit training ministry, HD Leaders. His most recent book, and the one we're going to talk about today, is called The Top 10 Ways to Be a Great Leader. Welcome officially, Dr. Fenzel, to the Read to Lead podcast. Thank you. And yes, please call me Hans. Will do. It's great to be on the show, really. I, I such a such a total believer that leaders are readers and readers are leaders. <laughs> so I was fascinating with the title of your show. Well, I don't know if you remember this or not, but we first met a couple of years ago, I think. It was a, a conference called Podcast Movement. Yes. I believe you did one of those. Uh, didn't you do a TEDx-style talk? I did. It was on a book I had launched that year, yeah. Well, I remember first learning about your work and thinking... And even saying then, uh, you know, we need to get you on the show. And here we are two years later, finally making it happen. <laughs> so better late yeah. than never, I guess. I think it was in Fort Worth, wasn't it? It was. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah Fort Worth, Texas. Well, I want to begin, Hans, by, by having you share how you define uh, leadership, something you do fa- fairly early in the book. 
Yeah, well, and it's not complicated. <laughs> After getting my doctorate in the field of leadership, and I found there were over 600 definitions. I, uh, <laughs> to me, it's one word, the word influence. Mm. That's how I define leadership, whether you're a mom or a scout leader or a corporate CEO or somewhere in between. Uh, if you le- if you influence other people, you're leading them. Yeah, well, we all influence somebody to some degree, right? We do, yeah. and often we don't even know it. And sometimes <laughs> people think only the designated leaders are the influencers, but that's not true. I, I, I've seen in my own ministry that I led for 20 years that uh, wow, the people that were the most influential were not the positional leaders. Well, well, Hans asks a question early in the book that I have often wondered myself, uh, and that question that he asks is, isn't it crazy how many people get into top management positions who have no business being there? So Hans, how does this happen so often? Yeah, and um, when when I speak on leadership, which I do a lot, I love doing it, I always ask my audiences, how many of you have worked for a terrible boss? And guess how many people raise their hands? Probably almost all. Yeah, just about everybody. It just happened to me last Thursday night when I was speaking in Charlotte. And, uh, you know, I've come to observe there seems to be more bad bosses than good bosses out there. And, and so why does it happen? Well, people get into leadership for all kinds of crazy reasons. Sometimes it's politics. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, the person, the last man standing is the leader, you know, because in a lot of I've seen situations where nobody really wants to be the leader. So mm-hmm. somebody has to be or a board, an inept board. I've seen this a lot in the nonprofit world. <laughs> an inept board will appoint a leader that they have no business appointing. There you go. Boom. Now that person's the leader. And my sweet spot, uh, no matter how you got into leadership, my sweet spot is to help people be better leaders that are in leadership. Sometimes the leader is the owner of the company. What are you going to do then, right? <laughs> well, yeah, that happens a lot. And as it grows, that that owner who started the company because of a great idea, a great product or a great service. I mean, I love watching Shark Tank. It's one of my favorite shows. And I think if these people are really successful, they're going to have to become really good leaders. And, and you know, if you're a doctor or an airline pilot or a teacher, you have to be continuing education. You have to keep honing your skill and your craft. But in leadership, there's no requirement. I wish there was. <laughs> but people, if you are in leadership, you really should work at it. Well, in this book, Hans uh, leverages the word leadership and uses it, each letter, as a label for the 10 ways to be a great leader, an acronym, in other words, is what I'm trying to say. And we don't have time to go into all 10 of the ways, but I, I do want to at least spell a word today, Hans, maybe lead or, okay. or leader. <laughs> we'll see how, see how far yeah, well, we get. Lead, uh, lead would be a good one, or, or we could just pick and choose some. Uh, I already have my favorite chapters. So. <laughs> yeah, bounce around a little bit. Yeah. Well, the L is one of my favorites, uh, and, and Hans has, has squeezed two words out of this one. And that, the Ellen Leadership stands for listen and learn. The uh, tagline of the Read to Lead podcast is listen, learn, lead. Hans, why, wow, is, I it, love it. why is it uh, tough for busy leaders to listen? Yeah. And I, I do think this first chapter is probably the most important. In fact, mm-hmm. the first chapter and the last chapter to me are just great bookends and they actually relate to each other because the last chapter is about the power of humility. And you know why it's hard for some people not to listen? Because they lack humility. <laughs> and if you don't listen, you're not a learner. You know, I'll see how those those, you know, those two words go together. Right. If you're a lifelong learner, you have to listen. 
And if you're a listener, you will learn things. And in the fast-paced world in which we live, whether you're in business or in the nonprofit sector, you know, the landscape keeps changing and you're not going to be successful if you don't keep your ear to the ground. When I ask people, why is your boss, why is it so miserable working for her? Many times people will say, well, she just won't listen. She thinks she knows everything. Well, if you think you know everything, you don't know anything. Yeah, there, I like the example in the book of the gentleman you worked with whose, whose owner or boss flew in and everybody shared their concerns uh, about the, the future. And he, and he knocked every one of them down and didn't hear a word they said and nothing changed. Yeah, completely uh, defensive, made yeah. excuses. It's all your fault that you're not productive <laughs> in this division. It has nothing to do with the home office. We're perfect back there. <laughs> and if you guys would get in line, I wouldn't have to keep wasting my time to fly down here and listen to you whine. <laughs> and all these poor guys, a lot of millennials, and this guy was an old boomer. Mm. And uh, these millennials just said, I want to go work somewhere else. Well, you, you bring up uh, a good point. Describe in, in your experience what some of the challenges are in, in sort of this cross-generational leadership to follow or dynamic. Yeah, I love the topic. I'm actually working on my next book, writing it with a millennial who's 32 years old. Mm -hmm. And so I've been doing a lot of studying on how, how boomers and millennials can actually thrive together in the workplace. Ah. But there's a lot of friction between boomers and millennials in the workplace. And, and both sides have some fault. But I'll speak to the older crowd since I'm the boomer. <laughs> and, and sometimes it's hard to work with millennials because they are so very different. Just as we were different when we were young, you know, the mm. builder generation had really struggled with us hippies when we were coming along, our, our long hair. Well, today it's not long hair, it's tattoos. But um, I think the number one message I give to the older generation about millennials is they're awesome, but you've got to learn that they're different. So mm. don't expect them to fit in your, your mold. You know, like, for example, older people love to say, well, earn your stripes. You know, mm. stick around a while and prove yourself and then I'll give you something important to do. Well, millennials, they won't buy that. They, mm. they want to they want significance the day they start working. And one more thing I just want to tell you that I've learned about millennials. They don't go to work. I mean, a lot of them have to go to work because they have a traditional job. But this guy that I'm working with has a very big job in the fruit industry in California. And, and he's taught me, Hans, I never go to work. Mm. I work wherever I am. And I don't have this big iron curtain between work and family. It's all kind of porous. And he'll sit there at home on his couch with his baby in his lap and the TV going and he's working. Yeah, there's 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 no line of demarcation anymore. Right. Yeah. Well, well, Hans says that recent research suggests performance success in leadership is one third IQ and two thirds EQ. You may have heard that before. It's emotional intelligence. Share Hans how you view emotional intelligence and and why it's so important in your estimation. I know you've spent uh, the better part of the last five years really, really studying this closely. Yeah, I think about everybody that I had to fire in my career, and I fired a number of people, high-level people, and I never fired them because they weren't smart. 
<laughs> I fired them because they, really I fired them because they couldn't work with people. Mm. They had horrible emotional intelligence. That's your ability to get along with people, your people skills, your how you act when you're under tremendous pressure. You have to learn to manage your emotions. What are your conflict skills like? So, you know, if you have ever hired somebody, I've learned I don't really care how smart they are. My my questions to the references are tell me about their people skills. Mm. That's that's EQ in a nutshell. And and it's an EQ in the long run is what's going to make you successful as a leader. How well you get along with people skills, managing conflict. How do you act under pressure? Are you in touch with how you come across to other people? That's emotional intelligence. And I talk in that chapter, the E in leadership stands for emotional intelligence about blind spots. We all have blind spots, and the only way you'll ever see that blind spot if somebody you trust tells you about it. You, you have to be willing to, to hear that and have thick skin, right? Yep, you do. <laughs> well, let's move now to uh, accessibility. Uh, how can we make ourselves more approachable, Hans, as leaders? And, and, and what are some of, of the pitfalls that, that we need to watch out for? Yeah, well, I love accessibility. The A in leadership stands for accessibility. And um, the old days, you know, the paradigm was uh, the big shots hang out in the corner office. Or I tell the story <laughs> in that chapter about this business down in Texas where all the executives, and I just heard the other day about another company just like this, where the executives had their own floor on the top of the building <laughs> and their own gym and their own cafeteria, and nobody is allowed up there mm. unless you're at a certain high level of management. Well, that's the old paradigm. And today, especially millennials, don't respect those kind of leaders. They want accessibility. That's why I told you at the beginning of the podcast, please call me Hans. Mm. When I started as CEO, I was Dr. Finzel because my predecessor was a World War II generation, wonderful man, but they called him Dr. Webster. So, <laughs> so the day I landed as CEO, they put this nice little sign in the parking lot at the number one parking space. Dr. Hans Finzel. <laughs> Without my permission, I grabbed that sign, I threw it in the dumpster, <laughs> and I went in and I said, all right, everybody, you're going to call me Hans. You're not going to call me Dr. Finzel. And through the years, I really tried to practice accessibility. And I learned that the millennials love that because they want to work shoulder to shoulder. We want to work shoulder to shoulder together. Mm. So the message here is don't hide out in your corner office. Roll up your sleeves and work side by side and be accessible. And, of course, I add in that chapter, you got to be vulnerable. Mm. And vulnerable is not pretending to be perfect, to, to actually admit your mistakes and to admit that you're on a journey. And when you screw up, which I often did, mm. hey, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I really screwed up. So the, all that's accessibility, and it's a powerful tool. Mm. And it's uh, accessibility and vulnerability, I believe, as, as you put it, are joined at the hip, right? They are. Yeah. They absolutely are. Well, now to determination and knowing how to leverage it to overcome a discouragement. What are, what are some of your recommendations, Hans, for, for pushing through resistance with determination? Yeah, well, I think never give up. <laughs> it's, it's the old, and I think today we live in such an instant society, you know, instant gratification. And, hey, I just texted you five minutes ago. How come you haven't answered me, you know? <laughs> so determination is the fact that I have observed that the people who are successful in this world, no matter how old they are, 
are people who work very hard and when they fall down, they get up. Mm. That's determination. You just keep going. And part of success, whether we like it or not, is paying your dues in the sense of working hard and being determined. I'm not going to give up. And I, I tell some great stories in there about like Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and, <laughs> and even Nelson Mandela. He's one of my greatest uh, examples of determination. He was in prison for 27 years and he got out when he was 72 years old. And he changed a country. He saved a country. My daughter lives there, so I have a real warm spot in my heart for South Africa. And and that's a great story of determination. Mm. Well, the second E stands for effective communication. Hans says communication is the, quote, lifeblood running through the veins of your team. Hans, talk about, among other things, the importance of not assuming people are going to take what you say at face value. Yeah, I, I've, I've practiced this principle, never assume anybody knows anything. <laughs> and secondly, never assume you were understood mm. what you said. Mm. You know, communication is getting through. And uh, I was just with a leader the other day and doing a little coaching. And the person said, you know, I guess I've come to realize probably the most important part of my job is to communicate. I'm like, yes, thank you. <laughs> I've seen, I worked for a guy who thought somehow magically by the process of osmosis, we knew what was in his head. <laughs> Sounds like my wife. <laughs> yeah. And it'd be in a meeting. Yeah, right. It sounds like my wife too. And uh, we'd be in a meeting and uh, he'd be like awed and dumbstruck that we didn't know mm. what he was thinking. And he was the founder. So he was one of these guys where we kind of had to do it his way, but we didn't even know what his way was. There was a lot of confusion because this, this leader didn't know how to communicate. Mm. I talk in there about a pastor who sent a weekly email to his congregation, you know, communicating. <laughs> and then one day a consultant told him only 13% of the people were opening the emails and he was devastated. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, ha anybody that sends out MailChimp or whatever, yeah. uh, Infus Infusionsoft, soft, whatever, where uh, you know open rates nowadays are really small. The average is around 10%, so 10 to 15%. So actually, he was right about average. And, and so the, the message here is, um, Jeff, you just got to communicate in a lot of different ways to your people. Mm -hmm. I get open rates about 30%, so I feel pretty good about that, but wow. I, I'm always <laughs> trying to get it higher. <laughs> to me, 30% is too low. <laughs> Listen, 30% is rocks. That's awesome. <laughs> you, you must have a very devoted uh, tribe. Uh, very much so, I think. Very much so. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. We talked about determination earlier, but, but determination alone, Hans says, is not enough. The R in the leadership acronym is for resilience. Now, one of the reasons resilience is so important is because of that constant called change. Right, Hans? Yeah. Be like a slinky. You know, the <laughs> slinky toy. A, yes. a slinky is flexible, bouncy, and that's the kind of leader you need to be. If you're rigid, if you uh, have what I call hardening of the categories, <laughs> it's all got to be your way. You're going to snap. You're going to break. You're not going to be a, the kind of leader that can roll with the punches and go with the flow. So <laughs> I'm using a lot of different analogies, but I just think slinky. Be yeah. like a slinky. Flexible pliable. And when you get knocked down, you will be able to get up. When the winds of change come or the winds of opposition, you won't snap like a dead tree, but you will be resilient and you will actually bend. It's the ability to bend and not break. Is it safe to assume that most millennials know what a slinky is? <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, actually, I think so because okay, it's one of those enduring toys. It's enduring toy, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think the best toys throughout history have not had batteries. Okay, <laughs> and uh, and I think the Slinky is one of those enduring toys. Got the Slinky, the hula hoop, and and, and so on. Well, yeah. I've got some uh, questions, Hans, not directly related to the book that I want to ask you. But before I jump into those, is there anything else from the book you want to make sure we know? Yeah, just let me say the last chapter. Uh, if you were going to ask me, Jeff, what's the one characteristic that is most important in leadership? I'd say it's humility. And in the last chapter, I talk about a big personal failure I had in my 30s. I had to get my, I call my BD degree, my back of the desert degree, <laughs> where I had to, I, I was voted out of leadership because frankly, I was arrogant. I was full of myself. It was all about me. Mm. And I had to learn really to become more humble and that it's not about me. It's about we. So I think probably the most important personal characteristic of leadership mm. is humility. Uh, let me just say uh, my career mirrors yours in that sense. In, in my uh, 30s, I had to learn that very lesson the hard way as well. And, and and got replaced in the process, and that was oh, kind, of, really? kind of a wake-up call for me. Yeah, well, it happened to Steve Jobs, so we're in good company. We're in good company. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want you to think about, Tons, the books you've read. What would you say are are the two or three titles that, that come to mind as having had uh, the biggest impact? Is there a book or two that just jump out? Yes. Uh, well, probably the number one that had the greatest impact to help me be a better leader of my team was Patrick Lencioni's The Five Dysfunctions of a mm -hmm. Team. That became my Bible for my leadership. Uh, did I master it perfectly? No, but I love that book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Uh, probably the, uh, the other book that really helped me was um, <laughs> Michael Hyatt uh, in Nashville, where mm -hmm. you are, Platform, mm -hmm. the book Platform. Yeah. I know you're familiar with that book. And when I went on my own five years ago, I kind of used that as the, the rails to ride on to direct me into building my own online brand. Mm -hmm. And so those two books are probably two of the most helpful books for me in the last five years. Yeah, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team from Pat Lencioni is one of my favorite books. Uh, I had an opportunity to read that with a team I worked with back in, I guess, early last decade, I think it was. Mm -hmm. uh, fantastic book, and certainly Michael's book. Yeah, uh, highly, highly recommend. Well, I know you do a lot of a lot of speaking internationally, and I would would love to hear from you. Maybe a tip or two you could share on on helping us be better at making and delivering impactful and and memorable public talks. Uh, keep it simple. I'm actually reading a book right now about the presentation secrets of Steve Jobs. Hmm. It's a great book because he was a master communicator. And uh, he was a, a huge believer in the power of three. So I'll leave hmm. you with this tip. You know, it wasn't four blind mice. It was three blind <laughs> mice. It was the three stooges. If you look throughout <laughs> the world uh, and they say in design, if you're putting pictures on a wall, group them in groups of three. There's something of power in three. And so, I mean, kind of funny, like in seminary, they always tell <laughs> preachers, you know, three points in a prayer. <laughs> but there is something to that. Yeah. So I like I like to put the cookies on the lower shelf. I like to be simple. If you use PowerPoint or Keynote, please. I've seen people use PowerPoint like it's Microsoft Word. And it's just, you know, <laughs> use pictures. 
gestures, not words. And so those are some of my tips. Keep it simple. I studied under a man by the name of Howard Hendricks years ago in grad school, and he always taught us, put the cookies on the lower shelf so everybody can reach them. So that means don't be complicated. Well, I know the book's been out for, I guess, a few months. I think it was April uh, when it officially yes. came out. I want to ask, what's what's next for you? What are you and your team working on now that, that you're excited about? Is is it mainly this next book? Well, I'm still promoting this one heavily, but my <laughs> next project is the Millennial book. And uh, just writing it with this guy is helping me learn to work with millennials. Mm. The cool thing is I'm mentoring him, and he wants to be mentored. But I, I've learned as much from him as he's learned from me. But, yeah, that's my next project. It's a huge conversation right now in America is uh, the millennials are a bigger generation than boomers. They're coming in like gangbusters into the workplace. What are we going to do to get along and to empower them and embrace them? And my passion, Jeff, in the last couple of years of my, my career as CEO in my organization that I led was let's create an environment that they will want to be a part of. Well, again, the title of the book, uh, it's one of those rare books that doesn't have a subtitle. It's called the, <laughs> the Top 10 Ways to Be a Great Leader. His name is Hans Fenzel. I can't recommend this highly enough. I love the fact that at the end of each chapter, he includes action steps and questions for discussion with your team. Highly recommend it. And it's only like eight bucks, I think, as I checked this morning, eight dollars and something on Amazon. So I'll put a link in the show notes. And that's a pretty good price because it's a hardback. Yeah, it's a beautiful hardback. And the list price is twenty two ninety nine. Well, Hans, thank you so much for, for taking time to be here. Uh, better late than never. Really appreciate your time. Yeah. And people can reach me at my website, HansFinzel.com. Not sure how to spell Hans Finzel? Well, I've got you covered. You can go to the show notes page created especially for this episode. It's at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 182 for episode 182. You'll find all the links and resources we talked about, including the books mentioned and recommended. And of course, Hans' website. I am so thankful for the recent five-star ratings and reviews coming in a couple into iTunes. One from Bree, who says, thank you for providing great info for your listeners. My pleasure, Bree. Thank you for that uh, rating and review. And, and Sarah Brower calls the podcast a thought leader crash course. And I thought this was interesting. She said, after a lifetime of only reading fiction, I stumbled on this podcast and I've had my eyes open to the wide world out there. That's exactly where I was, Sarah, about 15 years ago. She says, one year of listening to this show and my bookshelves look very different. I'm strategizing how to become the next thought leader in my industry. Awesome, Sarah. And then she signs off by saying, thank you, Jeff. Uh, for <laughs> for your beautiful voice. I appreciate that. Integrity and research. And yes, I'm now blushing. If you'd like to leave a rating and review for the Read to Lead podcast and maybe even hear your name on a future episode, just go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes. You can also leave us a rating and review on Stitcher if that's your platform of choice, readtoleadpodcast.com slash Stitcher. That is going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode of the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Read to Lead.